The Dot Connectors, brought to you by Omnia Global. Welcome back, everybody, and to the first of a new type of episode, which will feature myself speaking with our CEO, Daniel Hansen. And we will pick a topic, a topic that is somewhat more complex, um, and we hope to demystify and explain it in a little bit more detail, but in a succinct fashion. So these will be shorter episodes than our other episodes, which are typically founder interviews. So the first one, is all about SPACs. So sit back and enjoy. Good morning, Daniel. How are you? Morning. I'm really good. I'm really good. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you. Excited for this challenge for both of us to run through a deep dive into SPACs as, as quickly as possible with as much detail. I mean, can, can we do it between us? Yeah, keep it sure. short. Keep it short. Yeah, that keep would be short. a challenge, but why not? Let's try <laughs> <laughs> Good, we'll do it. We'll do it right. Let's get into it. So, first question What is a SPAC in the simplest possible form? Uh, the simplest possible form of a SPAC is um, you know, a company wants to go public, uh, they merge with an already publicly listed entity, uh, thus going public a little bit quicker and easier than if you want to do a full blown IPO. Uh, and um, interesting uh, for the entrepreneur is always speed. Uh, speed, access to capital in the quickest, easiest way at, a, at the highest valuation possible. Uh, and the SPAC makes that possible for the entrepreneur. Um, I think that's the that's the shortest version I can give. <laughs> I like it. We're off to a good start. Second question then. So obviously, um, SPACs have been around for a while, but the market has seen a re-emergence over the last three years or so. What market conditions have taken place or are taking place that, that led to that re-emergence? I think it's a mixture of, of a few elements. Um, a little bit longer time before this last uh, really big uh, emergence was uh, the ability to, um, to vote in favor of a, a merger and still redeem your cash portion. Mm-hmm. Before that, you know, SPAC's been around since the 80s. Uh, and back then, you have to either vote in favor of the deal uh, or you need to say no. Um, and if you wanted your money back, you needed to vote against the deal. Mm-hmm. So may, in the U.S., they changed the, uh, the scheme a little bit so that it will, you, are, you are able to actually vote in favor of the deal and still redeem your cash. That makes the, you know, the 96% of all SPACs then matured uh, with, a, with a deal completed. Um, so that made it a lot more safe for sponsors, a lot more um, uh, safe for the entrepreneurs to know that this deal is actually happening. You may not know if you're getting 100 uh, bucks in cash or you're getting 90 bucks in cash, a little bit of more shares, but at least you knew you had a deal. Um, so that was the first kind of uh, you know, recent bump. Um, and this last one, I think that was maybe a, from a personal standpoint, a combination of a lot of retail investors uh, um, people got uh, some stimulus checks a little bit and they opened Robinhood accounts and they were sitting home all day. There was All the casinos were closed a little bit as well. Um, the investment bankers, they obviously need to make money all the time anyway. So um, they started this little snowball effect and these, you could say, three elements in, in, in combined state made it uh, a self-sustaining prophecy a little bit, um, which um, you know, was good for the entrepreneur, let's, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And most... And also good for the market, right? You know, my yeah. personal opinion is companies should go public way earlier and give the uh, uh, the the world the opportunity to join in on that journey and the upside instead of waiting all 
until Uber goes public at 50 billion, um, it, it would be a broader upside for everyone if, if, if companies were public earlier. Um, so I think that was uh, one of the reasons that, that, that SPACs had this gigantic boom over the last couple of years. A lot of dry power in the market, a lot of capital needed to go out. Um, SPACs uh, um, uh, investors are um, also have their you know the motivation to park money in SPACs because they get draw fees on it. They can get a little bit more passive cash, risk free, and, and make a little bit of buck on it while they're waiting for for the um, for the merger to happen. So a lot of motivation, a lot of agendas is in the market, uh, but a lot of dry powder, a lot of capital is in the market, and they need to go somewhere. Um, and uh, not everyone has seven, ten years of private equity patience when you can mm. do a deal in 18 months and make the same upside. Absolutely. And um, we touched on briefly on, on uh, what well, we touched on the investor side and the entrepreneur side. But why would you how would you sum it up? Is, is this a why is it an interesting route for entrepreneurs to take? Uh, I think the major part is which, you know, you can <laughs> you can laugh about it a little bit, but um, uh, you, you SPACs has been valuing their targets of their three, four, five year uh, projection. So if you're looking at, you know, if I gave you a billion dollars, what would, could you, uh, you know, um, com- complete in your business over the next five years? They come up with some projections. If you gave me a billion dollars, I will definitely have whatever 500 uh, vertical, you know, taxi flying drones around fully approved. And they say, okay, yeah, well, if, if cash is all you need, um, you, we're only going to discount your future value 25%. And then we actually take you public at that value, which you will have in five years minus 25% today, mm. um, which uh, plus you get a public company, you get direct access to the capital markets. So in the end, you end up with a, a route where you're technically skipping a whole lot of funding routes. And then you go public way earlier than you normally would have done. And you get the, almost a full bang for your buck valuation wise five years into the future. So from an entrepreneur's perspective, you'll say, okay, fine. I don't need to do, you know, funding rounds every year or every nine months and do PowerPoint shows constantly and update investors all day long. I just go public now, skip seven funding rounds, and I have my cash. If I need more, I can always use the capital market because now I have a direct access to it in, in running a public company. So for an entrepreneur, it is a, uh, it's one of the best things that's happened uh, the last decade, in my opinion. Um, because entrepreneurs do waste a lot of time explaining to investors what they're doing instead of running their companies. Mm. Um, and the motivation to why they're not public earlier has ma- mo- mostly been because of the VCs and PE guys are obviously um, not a big fan since they're not needed at all. If you have a mm. gigantic retail market, which can, can get the upside instead of a few elderly folks sitting in um, a tower somewhere. So for the masses, it's great. For the entrepreneurs, they, they can focus on their business a lot more. Yeah. And if they're good at explaining what they're doing, if they're good at storytelling um, and, and explain their vision and mission and how to get there, they get a more, much more uh, pats on the back and an instant valuation increase because it's a publicly traded stock, right? So, um, you know, if you're BMW and Ferrari and you're Tesla, you all make cars, you know, uh, funny enough, BMW and the you know Volkswagen Group may not be just as great at telling a story as Elon Musk is, uh, even though their build quality in a Porsche is a lot greater than a Tesla. 
uh, Tesla's just value 10 times higher uh, because of uh, the vision and the, the way Elon Musk tells the story versus mm-hmm. a guy called Dita, you know? So it is, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's definitely here to stay. Um, yeah. if, if being done right, um, it, uh, it will be a great, great way to get more uh, entrepreneurs to succeed quicker and, and easier and with a lot more focus. From a founder perspective, this way of working through use of a SPAC, it surely it's got to impact how they perceive, how they see and value their own company because you've got this kind of very inflated figure in front of you straight away. Surely that impacts how a founder sees and values their own company. Well, in some extent, yes, uh, because they what SPAC is different than their usual perspective is um, they skip four funding rounds and go public for where it's status they are now. They go public at, at this discounted future value uh, four years into the future, which you could say, wow, that's a little bit uh, rich. Um, but if you pull all your funding rounds together and the funding is what gets you there, according to the investors, um, you're not far off, you know, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, and you also get a little bit of premium for being a public company and, you know, being on steroids and having all the cash in the world. So, um, it's, it's, it becomes in some extent, a little bit self sustaining, you could say, or, um, it's a little bit of a snowball effect. Um, whereas, you know, VCs tend to also do a little bit of a rich valuation as they keep doing their funding rounds to, uh, to create their artificial profit, um, Spax is just a little bit more open about it, I guess. Uh, mm. So it's it's not all it's not all um, it's 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 not everything that's over inflated. Uh, I would I would I would think that in most cases, hopefully, it's it's uh, it's done the same methodology as you would anyway. But it mm-hmm. it, it is definitely a, a something we have to get used to because you're skipping so many funding rounds. So it it goes from you know <laughs> a fairly decent valuation to all of a sudden you're. Uh, multi-billion dollar company and, and nothing changed other than you you went public with with a growth story um so there will be some corrections and you can already see it now where um uh, the investors will like to see a little bit more cash flow or um coming quicker and a little bit more uh, realistic projections if you can call it that um so there are a little bit of a correction in the market which i don't think is a it's a bad thing either uh mm. but it's 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 definitely something that um is here to stay. Uh, I don't think we'll see it being all of a sudden much lower valuations of these uh, discount rates and the future value. Flipping back to uh, from an investor perspective, what percentage of investors do you think are playing, if you like, the SPAC market to obtain warrants, which touch on in a moment just to explain briefly what that, what those are, versus, say, the percentage of investors who are actually interested in helping that company to go public but want to stick with them for the longer term? Um, there's a bit of a churn in this back. It's life cycles uh, involves different types of investors. Um, it is one type that is in the while the SPAC is, is a SPAC, and then there's other that are interested in the despacking. That means that after the target is known, um, that are interested in whatever um, industry or, or or target it is in the end. Um, um, so so you can you can say there there's some investors that park risk free capital in the SPAC trust in in the beginning. Once it becomes a an actual public company, 
with the target it merged with, um, those investors seeking, you know, it could be whatever industry it is, obviously is is either in love with that target or they're not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a a redemption rate that is quite high at the moment uh, because some SPACs are trading above the issue price, um, uh, and you know you can you can make a quick buck exiting that. Uh, and if you love, love the target, of course, stay in the deal and keep running. Mm-hmm. But usually there is a pretty big churn of investors over the period, um, uh, which not necessarily is a bad thing. It's just the it requires a little bit more work for the sponsor. But of course, the warrants is uh, the whole point of of staying. Uh, uh, you know, the, it's a very big part of why the SPACs are so super popular because yeah. you get a, a, a free lottery ticket, to be honest, if you're the first common stockholder that gets a free warrant as well. And you can just sell your shares, but you can hold on to the warrant. And if a company goes to the roof, happy days, you get a super high uh, you know, upside. Which is different than an IPO, right? Mm-hmm. You uh, you do get a tiny bit more. Um, uh, uh, you could say uh, dilution at some point, uh, mm-hmm. but you also went public extremely fast, and you got a ton of money uh, quickly. So uh, in the end, it, that should you know still be a very very high upside for the entrepreneurs as well, uh, mm-hmm. given that the the lack of of having to do multiple funding rounds or a traditional IPO that can take two years. In this case, they do, do it fast and they uh, they leap forward with their strategy. And for the cost of a few warrants, I think it's still a good trade. Yeah, sounds like a win-win for both sides, actually. Okay, and to finish, um, a little bit of stargazing here for you. What do you think the future of SPACs is? Um, I would hope to see... Uh, obviously, Europe and Asia being just as um, interested and and, and mm-hmm. push forward because you can see the tsunami of SPACs coming from the US and kind of move towards Europe and then towards Asia. Um, I would hope to be is to see the targets being uh, uh, could be smaller, uh, more of them, a uh, lot more diversified. So we don't only have um, multi-billion-dollar valuations of EVs and and whatnot, uh, but it would be a much more broad approach. Uh, so more SPACs little bit smaller targets um, but in general getting uh, giving access for a lot more entrepreneurs to go public earlier with this um, you could say um, high amount of of, of, uh, of investment capital coming in in one go um, and then can be focused on running their business for longer without having to um, spend time on fundraising over and over again um, so that's definitely my, my my and you can see it in Asia the targets in Asia are, are already smaller uh, in general, uh, than they are in the U.S. Uh, Europe is a little bit slow. You know, we also have a very small retail um, uh, investors in the market in, in, in Europe, right? Where in Asia it's over 65 percent of all trades is, is retail based. In Europe, it's below ten. Mm-hmm. U.S. is twenty five. So, of course, it's. Um, uh, I think I think Europe would be a little bit slower to move. To be honest, I think Asia would pick up fast. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and the US would 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 have a struggling uh, period to find targets for all those thousands backs in the market in a minute. Um, so hopefully that would that would broaden out the approach uh, so that uh, it does need to be the, the next big Tesla to go public. It can be a little bit more of a broader approach to an entrepreneurs um, than a, than a few selected ones. 
Brilliant. Well, I think we've uh, we've covered SPACs in quite quite detail, but in a short, shorter period of time. So thank you, Daniel, for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. If you're an entrepreneur and you enjoyed listening to that episode with Daniel Hansen, our CEO, then please do get in touch. And we'd be delighted to talk to you more about the Omnia Global business, but also to listen to your story and to understand your journey so far. And for our listeners, please remember, as always, to rate, review and subscribe.